Hello and welcome. I'm Jillian Moss-Fackman, and this is Change Already, Your Future, Your Choice. Well, as promised, I'm airing my show this week on Tuesday because of a special event I get to go to this week and that's happening in our area on Thursday, which is a visit and an address from the Holiness, the Dalai Lama, who represents the Tibetan monks and Buddhism in general. You know, he's the equivalent to the Pope, and there's a really good friend of mine, a dear friend of mine, who is a devout Catholic. And I remember a couple years ago, she was just over the moon and giddy about going to see the Pope when he was in America several years ago. Well, that's the way I feel about seeing the Dalai Lama this week. One of my dear friends and professional colleagues, his name is Father John Mulder, who is a Catholic priest as well, and and he's also a very well-known jazz musician, and he plays worldwide. The music that you hear on my show is actually excerpts from his album and CD that he has out called Trinity, and it came out, I think, several years ago, and he does different concerts all over the world. Anyway, he was asked to play and be a part of the opening ceremony for this event on Thursday. And he was gracious enough to ask me to be one of his guests that gets to accompany him at the event in Chicago later on this Thursday. He knows my really deep sense of reverence that I hold for other religious organizations other than myself. You know, as I've grown older, I've been able to break out of my own judgmental religious constrictions i.e. P.S., by the way, it used to be quite pronounced, I have to say. I'm not, I'm not ashamed of that in any way, sense, or form because I actually love my own religious convictions and I attribute a lot of my own self-worth and awareness of the world because of those religious practices that I did years ago growing up as a minister's daughter. But the other part happened as I started getting older and realized there's a bigger world out there than my own religious thoughts and convictions. And I've been able to spend time with other people and realize that there's a lot of other people that have just as much conviction and love and integrity in their own religious paths that are different from my, my own. So as I've grown into this inquisitive sense of myself, I really enjoy reading and reflections of different spiritual living from different religious factions and perspectives. And for some reason, I'm just really entranced with all the different faiths out there and the rituals and the written words and their prayers. And I'm especially mesmerized by the religious architecture and lost artifacts that define these traditions and cultural changes and choices that people make. And if we're all honest with ourselves, I think we all have that inquisitive nature. We just don't pay attention to it. And I'll give you an example. Think of how many times you've been on vacation. Now, I'm talking more world vacations, but there's also a lot of different factions in America as well. You know, one of the things that people always say is, well, are you going to go to this religious site? Are you going to go to that religious site? 
and it's buildings that represent these countries and in one small architectural frame has a tendency to explain the culture and what it's built its whole spiritual life around. For instance, the Golden Temple Shrine in India. Anybody you talk to from India, their first reaction is you got to go to the Golden Temple. Or how about the Sistine Chapel in Rome, which I've been to, which is just overwhelming to be in the presence of this Sistine Chapel and all of the art ancient rituals and the paintings and the people behind it. It's just overwhelming sometimes. And how about the Wailing Wall in Israel? These are all monuments that represent parts of ourselves and the diversity and way we worship and honor our reflections of God, source, and that ultimate higher power we all talk about. People seem to have a sense a warped sense sometimes, however, of the religious curiosity that I have within myself. For some reason, people believe that if I show an interest in or even, God forbid, indulging a service or two, that you may become one of those people and literally give up one club, religious club, by default you join another And, you know, I just don't see it that way anymore. I don't see religious or spiritual life as all-inclusive. I see it more as a melting pot. And the way I came about that was I've had the privilege of sitting with several different enlightened masters from all over the world. And what struck me when I was listening to all of these people And, you know, thousands of people gather to listen to these masters. They carry the same universal message. They're just in different packages. They have different faces. They have different different body types. They wear different garbs and robes. But they do seem to express and present the identical message of hope, love, and honor to all. And these are all words that cross all boundaries. And most of those boundaries, remember, are self-created by our own human identities that we choose to identify ourselves with. Every person hears and takes in responses to distinct presentations. Think of it like this. If you're having a conversation with somebody, like one-on-one, and you ask them to repeat back what you just said to them verbatim, sometimes people can do that. Sometimes they give you verbatim, word for word, that you said. But the majority of the time, it comes back in words that they're mostly familiar to as the receiver and it mumbles around in their head, and they give it back to you, which best represents what they sense within themselves. This is how I view different significant spiritual leaders. If you allowed yourself to focus in and give yourself the opportunity to hear these vital life-saving messages from as many different packages as possible, the Dalai Lama, the Pope, your ministers, any different kind of energies and people that represent a higher source of spiritual living, 
you just really never know what phrases are going to catch your eye. I mean, catch your thought. Words that strike a chord inside your soul and give you this um, energy jolt. And it may open new opportunities to spiritual growth. I'm always open to the chance of refining my higher purpose. That doesn't mean I'm going to go convert, and it doesn't mean that I'm going to start following the path of a certain spiritual leader. But this is why I'm excited about going to see the Dalai Lama on Thursday, because to hear it from a different perspective, a different leader, a different energy, it gives me the opportunity to expand my own spiritual adventure and boost myself to a higher understanding of whatever he has to say and present to the crowd that comes along. So in my challenge, I looked up what he's going to talk about, and you'll never believe. He's going to talk about nonviolence, which I thought was so ironic. Because if you recall last week's show and the blog post that I wrote for Time's Up was about that Trayvon Martin case that's unfolding in Florida. And I talked about that in extent and dedicated the whole show last Thursday. And if you didn't have a chance to listen to it, go back to Blog Talk Radio at Change Already, Your Future, Your Choice. Or you can go to my website, JillianMossBackman.com, and download and listen to that entire show and see what I had to say about it, because I don't want to go over that right now. But most of the time, I have to admit that I'm living in the moment. And I'll give you an example of that. This is Trayvon Martin case, is exactly what I'm talking about. I listen to my gut all the time, wherever I go, and I just allow it to lead me to the next adventure, because I call my life an adventure. I don't call it a journey. I call it an adventure, because... Believe me, that's what it is with the highs and the lows. And I really had no idea what his presentation was going to be on until I looked yesterday and thought out the venue and how I'm going to get down there and timing and stuff. But how apropos that this nonviolence talk that he's going to get aligns up with what's happening in Florida that I talked about on Thursday in, in that blog post that I wrote about. The correlations between that topic are uncanny. And after the break, I want to talk about that more. But I thought first it'd be fun to read an excerpt from one of his past talks. The Dalai Lama has given um, hundreds of them. But I wanted to talk about one in particular. In my sessions, the majority of people always ask me this one question. I just want to be happy. How can I become happy? You know, and a lot of times people think being happy is an illusion. But what I thought was interesting in this little excerpt I'm going to read about right now that the Dalai Lama has given to other people is that he believes happiness is attainable. Here's his exact words. In most of my sessions, I talk, oops, that's me, excuse me, I have to read it verbatim, let me get it. Here we are, there we are. I believe the purpose of life is to be happy. From the moment of birth, every human being wants happiness and doesn't want to suffer. Neither social conditioning nor education 
nor ideology can affect this. From the very core of our being, we simply desire contentment. I don't know whether the universe with its countless galaxies, stars, and planets has a deeper meaning or not, but at least it is clear that we humans who live on this earth face the task of making a happy life for ourselves. Therefore, it is important to discover what will bring about the greatest degree of happiness. How to achieve happiness? For a start, it is possible to divide every kind of happiness and suffering into two main categories, mental and physical. Of the two, it is the mind that exerts the greatest influence on most of us. Unless we are either gravely ill or deprived of our basic necessities, our physical condition plays a secondary role in life. If the body is content, we virtually ignore it. The mind, however, registers every event, no matter how small. Hence, we should devote our most serious effort to bringing about mental peace. For my own limited experiences, I have found that the greatest degree of inner tranquility comes from the development of love and compassion. The more we care for the happiness of others, the greatest our own sense of well-being becomes. Cultivating a close, warm-hearted feeling for others automatically puts the mind at ease. This helps remove whatever fears or insecurities we may have and give us the strength to cope with any obstacles we encounter. It is the ultimate, it is the ultimate source of success in our lives. As long as we live in this world, we are bound to encounter problems. If at such times we lose hope and become discouraged, we diminish our ability to face difficulties. If, on the other hand, we remember that we are not just ourselves, but everyone who has undergone suffering, this is a more realistic perspective, which will increase our determination and capability to overcome trouble. Indeed, with this attitude, each new obstacle can be seen and yet another valuable opportunity to improve our mind. Thus, we can stretch gradually to become more compassionate. This is what we can develop both through genuine sympathy for others suffering and the will to help remove their pain. As a result, our own sincerity and inner strength will increase. This you can find the rest of his speech on his own website, Dalai Lama. After the break, I want to talk about a little bit how this suffering and how this determination for love and compassion can possibly help that incident in Florida. So we'll be right back after this break on Change Already, Your Future, Your Choice.
welcome back to Change Already, Your Future, Your Choice. I'm your host, Jillian Moss-Backman. I enjoy listening to John Mulder. That was an excerpt, again, from his Trinity CD that came out several years ago. And I believe he said that he was going to use in the opening ceremonies this week at the Dalai Lama presentation that I'm going to with him on Thursday in a excerpt called Inspiration. I believe that's what he said. I'll let you know when I get back. And I was thinking about it. I might try to have him as our guest that next week after this incident so we can do a debriefing session between the two of us and see what he took away from the conversation and talk of the Dalai Lama and compare notes. Last week's show was dedicated to the blog that I wrote about on the the, uh, Martin case in Florida involving the young boy of color that was shot during a random exchange with a local neighborhood watch volunteer. And I don't want to go into the details, but at the end, the young boy was dead from a gunshot wound and the neighborhood volunteer has been arrested and charged. And as you've been watching, I'm sure most of America is paying attention The further developments is unfolding each week, and the accused is now out on bond. And I don't have any intentions of keeping you updated on the case, but more importantly, I want to go back to the scenario why I brought it up in the first place. When I was writing the blog several weeks ago, I had no intentions of looking at the bigger picture of why I was writing the article. I just had this intuitive gut feeling that I had to do it at that particular time, at that moment, and the words that I wrote came through. I really do try to stay in the moment when I'm working with those kind of things. And then the week later, I started putting together the show and realized that there was a theme there of violence and how we should be paying attention to these underground feelings that are have been there for a long time and the woundedness that has triggered all, many people in the country that's starting to bring an issue of race and bigotry and everything else that's coming along with this case. But then from there, I had stopped. And, you know, in a couple weeks in May, I'm going to start talking about intuition and present my next series on that very subject. But one of the things that I really believe in and work in is that, A, I do live in the moment, and, two, I really work on what I call the three-message system. There's lots of cases in the country nowadays and every day with mishaps, with weapons, and deaths. But for some reason, my intuition pulled my insight and wanted me to highlight this case in particular. I believe because it's the potential damage and the reverberating effect it may cause on exposing those old wounds I talked about that we carry within our ancestral souls with each, in each one of us. But what I want you to hear and see and it's still continuing, is the three-message rule that I always follow. Message one was that I wrote the Times Ox blog. The message two was that I was going to do a radio program and highlight this case and continue to follow the insights as we go into the future. Well, 
as I talked about in the break before, I had no idea that the Dalai Lama was going to be talking about nonviolence and what all that means to us nowadays. So message three was I was going to attend this religious and spiritual conference that aligns up with these last two messages I got. People don't seem to understand that powerful way of living when you get three messages in a row. When you get three messages in a row like that, intuitively or gut or whatever you call it, you should really be paying attention. And for some reason, people just seem to scheme through this and not listen to those messages. And then they get on the other side and they look back and say, what? How come I didn't get the message that I was supposed to do this? I'm extremely excited about listening to the Dalai Lama and the nonviolence that he has in his subject on Thursday. As I commented on last Thursday's show, I'm going to bring my prayers and thoughts with me to bring the energy forth of the same kind of integrity that he's going to be talking about in the Trayvon Martin case as it unfolds. I really believe it's a significant moment in time in our lives where we have choices that need to be made and and chapters that can be closed. But the important thing is to understand that nonviolence is a part of our lives now. Before, we just had this kind of quiet essence of it, but it feels like it's so essential for all of us to pay attention to now. There's so many groups and individuals and religious and spiritual conferences and people that are dedicating their lives to a more calmer resolution of life. I don't know that much about Buddhism. I've had really good friends that have been Buddhist. And really, it's more of a cultural way of life. And I don't believe they consider themselves a religious organization. But what a great spokesperson to represent in the world a more calm resolution about life than the Dalai Lama. He is the essence of calm and peace, tranquility, and if you listen to those words that I just wrote, read in the le- in the first segment of the show, you can begin to hear his kind of melodic thoughts on how we can do this if we look and we uh, turn our attention to being a more happy person and ultimately a more happy society. The word that caught my attention throughout that whole excerpt I wrote was the word contentment. I think people have an odd sense of what contentment means nowadays. It doesn't mean that you settle for less. It simply means that you're content with where you're at. I believe this word goes directly with the essence of staying in the moment. Content means you have no wants. You have no needs at any particular time. Does it mean that you give up your wants and your needs? Of course not. That's not what he's talking about. But it means being content with the people that you have and always looking to the future to be happy. Happy means being satisfied. I'm concerned about this case in Florida because what will be the satisfying result for anyone? What At what point will 
all factions be satisfied if we can do this with nonviolence and we can figure out through words and communication instead of guns and weapons to figure out how we can make it to that place of spiritual contentment that he's talking about in his subject on Thursday. I'm so looking forward to what he has to say and we'll report back, obviously, what he has to share with us. I'm sure he'll have new insights and a way that I can examine my own thoughts of contentment and nonviolence. The other part that keeps hitting me is the mayor of New York City. He keeps coming on my radar, and I'm not sure. He's right now on what I call my intuitive peripheral vision right now. He's on the sidelines. I'm not sure. Let's watch him and see if he comes to the forefront with this same ideology that I think is so important in America right now that we embrace a nonviolent kind of resolution to where we want to be next to get us more towards a case of happiness and contentment. I don't think I'm going to be talking much more about this Trayvon Martin case unless something else comes up. But I will finish up with that on next Thursday when I come back. As I reiterated, I'm going to start my intuition subject and and series in May. And June is super packed as well. I'm so excited. I'm taking Change Already, Your Future, Your Choice back out on the road. I've been invited to be to have a booth for my Beyond the Pews, Breaking with Tradition, Letting Go of Religious Lockdown book at in New York City from June 4th through the 7th at the North American Book Expo. Now, I'm learning as I go. I didn't know what this was, but I'm finding out it's one of the biggest expos for new books for the entire North America. And so I've been given the opportunity to actually do the show on site with a publisher that's been there. I believe this is his 31st time he's attended. So I'm looking forward to interviewing him and see what he has to say about the book industry in general. And then from there, I'm also going to be in the ENATS convention in Denver, Colorado, and I'll tell you exactly what that stands for next week, June 23rd through 25th, and my book is also going to be in the venue, and I'm also going to be able to do the show again. I was able to communicate with Quest Publishing Group, who contacted us about doing my show live there as well. So it's going on the road. I'm really excited. You know, there's some days I miss being in the studio, but I knew that I was going to have to be out among the people. So I'm having fun spreading the word of change and happiness and ultimately contentment. So I will see you next Thursday on a regular time. But remember, between now and then, change doesn't have to be difficult but it is necessary to grow. I will see you back here next Thursday, same time, same place, high noon on Blog Talk Radio. Bye.